Well, joining me on the podcast today is one of my business besties, Natalie Barron. She is a fellow leadership and executive coach. She doesn't work in tech, but it doesn't mean she doesn't have tech clients. But she is a like-minded woman in the sense that she gets what it means to be a woman working in a male-dominated environment and helps her clients really excel as senior leaders and executives in such environments. So you know what? We can all change the world. Natalie is the founder of Core Creation Coaching and Consulting, and she is working as a professional development company headquartered in California, just outside LA, although she serves clients around the US and abroad, just like me. (laughs) She's also the co-founder of Women Leading Powerfully, which she'll be telling you about later on in the episode. And as an executive leadership coach, Natalie is passionate about helping professional women create bold leadership, confident communication, and substantial growth for their businesses because she knows, just like me, when women use their wealth and influence for impact, great things happen. Natalie has over 27 years of corporate sales experience working for Mars and Wrigley. We're going to be digging into that just a little bit in the episode. And she's worked in a variety of roles within the sales division at Mars, from category management, shopper marketing, and sales leadership. Very different kettle of fish from most of the technical people I have on the show. And Natalie is also a speaker as well as the host of your Lead Your Life podcast, one of my favorite podcasts, go check it out, which focuses on topics that help women up-level their leadership. You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast, where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips, and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, this is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. Natalie, welcome to the show. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Tony, I have been looking forward to this for a while now, and I'm so grateful to be on the show. I love everything that you're doing with this podcast and your message, and I'm just honored to be here. So thanks for having me. Oh, it's a joy. It's been a long time coming. I wanted you on from like the first moment I met you. So let's start off with your personal story and how you ended up being a leisure coach. Can you tell us how you got to where you are today? Sure. I'd be happy to share my story. Um, You know, kind of looking back, it all makes sense. In the moment, it kind of didn't make a lot of sense to me and I didn't really know where I was headed. And I share that because I think for the listeners, it's really important to understand that while we can be as intentional as possible, sometimes, you know, hindsight can help us with our forward perspective, because now it all makes sense. But the reality is I found my career really late in life. I would say my passion career. So it kind of started on a college campus. Um, I was going to USC and my, I came from a pretty humble upbringing. I didn't have a lot of money. And about sophomore year, I was on a business track. And the reason why I was on a business track is because I didn't, my parents didn't have a lot of income growing up. And I thought, you know what, I need to do the thing that's going to make me the most money. And so for me, that was obviously a business degree. But I took a psychology class my sophomore year of college that changed everything for me. And I went immediately 
to my counselor's office and said, I want to change my major to psychology. What's it going to take? And turned out it was going to be an extra semester. So I was going to have to spend four and a half years instead of four years at university. And I called my parents and they said, we can't afford it. Stay on your business track. And that was, you know, I think those moments where you have something that lights you on fire, but then something steers you in another direction. I think it's really important that we listen to those moments. And I look back and that's really where my coaching career started is back my sophomore year of college um, (laughs) with that passion that was ignited in me. But I wasn't able for certain circumstances to really let it fully ignite. So fast forward, senior year of school, I'm on campus, they're having a career fair, and they're giving out free Snickers and M&Ms. Well, of course, what college student doesn't want free Snickers and (laughs) M&Ms? So, (laughs) right. So I go and, you know, talk to the the person at the career fair. Well, that conversation landed me a 27-year career at Mars Wrigley. And... Um, which was amazing. I started out in direct sales, did a variety of different roles within my career, all within the sales division, but I did category analysis, I did shopper marketing, and then my last seven years at Mars, I went I wanted a smaller business, more entrepreneurial experience than I was getting in the large company. And so I went to our ice cream division and we had a really small team leading this, you know, pretty big division, but it was a small division of Mars. And that's where my entrepreneurial spirit got lit. And what happened was we were we were a scrappy team. We didn't have a lot of resources, and one of the resources that we didn't have funding for was training and development. And so that's kind of always been a passion of mine. Throughout my career, I was always the person that was helping others and serving others and and so basically, I became the ad hoc training manager for our team. And I would go to Mars Chocolate, the larger division. I would get all the training materials, and then I would bring them to our ice cream division. And I fell in love with training and facilitation. And it was right around this, whole, this time, I was coming up on 25 years with Mars, quarter of a century. And my husband asked me the pivotal question, what do you want to do when you retire? And I said, oh my gosh, I have no idea. I hadn't been super intentional about what my next steps were. So I started doing informational interviews and thinking I wanted to go be a therapist. And at this point, I was 47. And I had a pivotal conversation with a therapist who had given up her therapy practice to become an executive coach. And she was coaching a friend of mine who was a leader at Mars. And I was interviewing her thinking I wanted to be a therapist. But after that conversation, she said, I have to tell you, I think you'd be a great coach. And I think you'd like it better than therapy. And now I'm married to a therapist and I fully believe in therapy. I've done plenty of my own. And I see what my husband does for people. And I've always been interested in it, obviously, go, going back to my sophomore year of college. But now I completely agree with her. It, w- it was the perfect fit. So after that conversation, two weeks later, I signed up for coaching certification. 
And here I am. So at 47, I found what absolutely lights me on fire. So I know that was a long-winded story, but that's how my <laughs> that's how I became an executive coach is it took me a while, but I actually I wouldn't say I found my passion. I would say I circled back to my passion because I think that's really what lit me on fire when I was back in college. Yeah, it's it's so interesting actually. I, I know a lot of other coaches who have come to this through some other journey. I think many of us have a thing in common, which is an interest in psychology. My parents are psychologists. So I resisted that. I was like, I'm never <laughs> going to do anything to do with them. But honestly, I do actually find it an utterly fascinating subject. But um, I think it's so fascinating that you had it all the way back then as well. And you've just come full circle. And actually, your experience in Mars Wrigley is probably what makes you such a great coach today. All that experience, I think, helps us show up better for our clients. But tell me why you focus on women and in particular what your um, phrase women leading powerfully really means to you and why you do what you do around that. Yeah. So um, I focus on women because I grew up in Mars when um, I grew up in the, you know, in the nineties working for this, for working for the organization. And I've absolutely loved my career. I loved my career there have nothing bad to say about the company, but the consumer packaged goods industry is very male dominated. And I am passionate about helping women, basically helping them manage the missteps that I had in my career. And so I would say I really didn't feel like I really, I mean, I started working for Mars when I was 21. And I would say pretty much my entire 20s and even into my early 30s, I really didn't feel confident at work. I would say I left promotions on the table. I left salary negotiations on the table. I just didn't have that, just that profound confidence walking in a room. I would say I didn't communicate very effectively or powerfully. I always did a good job. I always got good ratings. I was, you know, I, I, I knew my performance was, was stellar. That was, that was never the issue. It was how I felt about my performance. It was how I felt. Mm. And so I went through kind of this whole transformational process personally in my late 30s, right? I was doing a lot of therapy. I was doing a lot of self-development. And I completely flipped my confidence. And I completely was showing up differently at work. And I saw how people were reacting to me. I felt confident walking into a room. I felt confident about what I was sharing at the table. And then I took a negotiation class that was really powerful, kind of pivotal moment in my career as well, where I realized after I had taken that class, how many opportunities, both with clients as well as for myself, that I had left on the table, that I had not asked for myself throughout these various different intervals of my career. And so when I became a coach and started thinking about who I wanted to focus on, basically it's my younger self. You know, it it's I mean not just in age, right? Cuz it could be a woman in her 50s or her 60s who is still facing the challenges that I was facing back when I was in my career and it's really around helping, you know, for me it's really around helping women show up in a powerful way. And for me, that's through powerful communication. And it's why you and I connected, because you have the same <laughs> exact mission 
And we are both out to change the world. So um, because we both know that when women are authentically themselves and given the space at work to really be fully authentically themselves. And we know that female leadership actually has a lot more productivity, a lot more engagement on teams. I mean, the numbers stand behind it. So there is, and then we know that women, when they get power and they have influence, they use it for impact. And I'm here to make a huge difference in the world as well. And I know that if we can elevate women in leadership, um, that we can end up having more impact in the world. Oh, I just love everything you just said. I know this is like one of the reasons why we do connect so well is because we have this shared vision and just the very fact that the both of us are prepared to own the fact that we're here to change the world, make it better, rather than that being something scary and, or we shouldn't say it out loud, which I think many of us do. And it comes full circle to what you said about confidence at the beginning of that. Uh, I just... We need to own this. We need to own that we're here to change the world and step into that confidence. Whatever, whoever we are, whatever we're doing, whether like you and I, person listening as a coach, or if they are just in as a lot of the listeners are in tech, they're on the way to change the world of tech, whatever it is, we need to step into being comfortable with changing the world because that's where some of the confidence comes from. And I I want to circle back to the point you made about it was when you found your confidence that you realized that you were showing up differently. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of us, we we have some confidence and we don't really realize that we're lacking another area of confidence. And so we don't really realize, unless we have full-on imposterism and we've identified that, we don't know that in, confidence is the thing holding us up. And as women, it's like this double whammy on top of us. I don't know if double whammy is something any of us Brits say. But no, like, we say it here too. Extra... Okay. <laughs> but uh, I think it's like an extra pressure because one of the reasons we're lacking confidence is because we spent our entire professional life surrounded by men. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time I walked into a room full of women in tech, when I started running women in supercomputing, I walked into a room full of women and I felt lighter and I can't remember being um, anything other than the only woman in the room since I was like 14 or something. You know, I was the only girl in my school to study electronics, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it, this has just been so normalized for so many of us. We don't know what it means to have other people like us. And I'm like us, I'm talking about women, but whatever it is that makes you different, some of it's visual, some of it's like not at all seen by anybody. And that just knocks our confidence. And then in addition, we don't realize that we need to work on our confidence and it just holds us back. And it's why it's so much harder for us as women, sadly, it breaks my heart. And I just, I just wanted to add that in there. I don't know if you have any comments on that, but I, you really brought that out of me as I heard you talking <laughs> about it. No, I completely agree with you. And, you know, what I would say is, especially for women in tech, I know that's your primary audience. And, you know, what... I've come to realize is that my audience or my coaching clients are really coming from industries that are male dominated. So I'm not specializing, you know, at first I was like, well, maybe I'll just specialize in food. And then I started getting entertainment clients. And because of the work I'm doing with my business partner, which I'll talk about shortly, um, that's the women leading powerfully work that we're doing. But um, what I realized is the common denominator is I'm, typically working with women that are in male-dominated industries. 
And so I'm not here to necessarily talk about or converse about the structural issues that face us as women in those industries. I'm here to talk about what we can control. And that is us. And so much of what holds us back aren't those structural issues. It's us. It's our inner critic. It's our inner saboteur. It's that voice in our head that says, you know, hold back. It's the voice in our head that says, don't apply for that next job until you have 110% of the requirements for that job when your male counterparts are applying when they have 60% of those qualifications. So it's the voice in your head that when you do have a seat at the table or you do have an opportunity to speak up at a meeting, you hold back and you don't take that risk. And it's that hesitation. It's that lack of taking risks. It's that lack of being bold that holds us back. And so much of that is internally driven. We can control that. Yeah. And I I think it's worth just pointing out here that um, this isn't because, you know, women are somehow inferior. And I'm hoping that none of the guests and that none of the listeners even um, would think that we were saying that. But actually, one of the reasons we hold ourselves back is because of culture. And both of us are on a mission to put women into positions such that we really change culture culture in terms of our countries, in terms of our neighborhoods, and in definitely in terms of our businesses, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because if we can if we can break through this glass ceiling, the next generation is going to have a whole lot of an easier time. And that's really how we're going to make a difference. Yeah. And Tony, thank you for sharing that because um, by no means do I ever say that there was, you know, that it's our fault at all. So yeah. much of it is how we're socialized from the time we're little yes. girls. It's it's how we're raised. But we have a real opportunity to break that cycle through conversations like this. I think we have more of an opportunity than any generation before. I listened to what my mother struggled with. And quite frankly, to get as far as that generation did in changing the world um, and how it behaves towards women was immense. I think quite legitimately, we're on the cusp of really changing things for, like completely, like Women have never had this level of a voice in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And so now is our time. <laughs> oh, we could talk about that one all day, right? But I do, <laughs> I do want to talk a little bit about some of the challenges specifically, other than like broadly on the confidence. What are the challenges you specifically see women facing? Like, what do they need to do to climb that corporate ladder to succeed? Like, what do you think like are some small things we could all be doing differently? Yeah, so I'll name a couple. First and foremost is... I kind of have coined this phrase of ask for what you want so you can get what you deserve. The first step is to, and even before that, of feeling comfortable taking risk. You know, feel comfortable knowing that you can apply for that job before you have 110% of the requirements and that you stay in that position too long. Raise your hand. Make it known early of what your vision for your career is. Make it known to your boss, you know, hey, I have expectations that, you know, two roles from now, this is where I want to be. This is what I'm going to do, being proactive about this is what I think the path to get there is. How do you think you can support me? Or do you think I'm thinking in the right way? So it's really being, it's really taking that proactive approach. I think so often, 
as women, you know, we think back to junior high, like waiting to be asked at the dance. You know, we're waiting to be asked, well, I hope he chooses me for that next role or I hope he chooses me. No, let make it known. Like, don't be afraid to go ask and be the dance partner that takes control. I mean, this is you taking control of your career. And so don't be afraid to let your boss know what you want. And that could be a new role within the organization. It could also be a bigger project that expands your visibility and your organizational agility within the organization. Um, So think about what are those things that you're saying yes to? And likewise, I think this is really important for women. Think about those things that you need to say no to. Because so often we end up focusing on doing maybe the small I would say the smaller things at work that are helping people because we love to serve and we love to help. And I'm just going to give you a silly example, but you know, pre-COVID, maybe it's planning the Christmas party for your team. Don't don't put yourself in that role. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't volunteer. Don't volunteer. I mean, I know that sounds like a silly example, but don't put yourself in the role where you're volunteering to do that. That's taking your time away from working on other strategic things. And it's also, there's a perception there that you want to avoid. And so making sure that you're saying yes to things that are strategically going to be good for you. And I think sometimes as women, we feel selfish and we feel like, well, that's self-serving. I'm only thinking about myself. But knowing that I know, and Tony, I know you know, that the women listening to this podcast, when they're making decisions about themselves, it's always about being collaborative. We know that when they get into leadership positions, they will always turn around and lift someone else up along the ladder. We know that. We know that everyone, that all the women listening will do that. And so it's about thinking about yourself so you can have a bigger impact eventually. Yeah, I think we get so wound up with this idea that we're being selfish mm-hmm. when actually we're so far away from being selfish that uh, like we don't realize actually it's more selfish to not give yourself the tools that you deserve in order to help more people. Like if you can think more strategic and long term about your career, it's actually opening up so many doors for people. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that you mentioned that because I... I think a lot of us really struggle with that one and like what happens, which actually brings me to my next question. You mentioned there about, you know, telling your boss what you want, um, even like, you know, just opening your own doors is the kind of way I was listening to that. Like, Mm -hmm. open the door yourself. Don't wait for it to be open. Right. A lot of the people I speak to worry a lot about that backfiring. They're very concerned like with, well, if I don't volunteer to do the Christmas party, it will backfire. Or if I tell my boss that I want a promotion, it will backfire. What do you say to women who are feeling that way? I would ask them to really examine that question for themselves. Because I would ask them to seek out situations in where that's true and where that becomes also potentially something that can hold them back because of their own internal fears of moving forward. So 
you know, if you've seen specific instances in your organization where that is true, be cognizant of that and be strategic. Find a mentor, find a sponsor. I, I have to tell, tell you, working in male-dominated org- organizations, the best thing you can do is find a male ally and find someone in the organization that will sponsor you and will speak up for you in meetings and will advocate for you. So aside from that, though, really pausing and saying, is this true? Or is this my own internal critic and saboteur getting in the way and keeping me safe? Because that's what our, that's what we are biologically wired to do. We're biologically wired to keep ourselves safe. And we sometimes create stories in which we keep ourselves safe. So I would really challenge maybe some of those beliefs and some of those questions that are maybe holding women back. Yeah, which actually brings me, I love that you said that because it brings me nicely to a mindset piece. Um, I'm doing this a little bit early potentially in this episode because I have a feeling that we've got a bit more to talk about still. (laughs) (laughs) Um, At the end of each episode, I like to offer a mindset moment um, where I ask the guests or sometimes myself to offer one or two highly actionable mindset shifts that my listeners can take to help them act and improve on their leadership. So given that we've just been talking about like what it takes to, you know, be okay with the risk essentially of like, well, maybe it will backfire because you never know, right? To be fair, we don't know. It's true. There are some real jerk bosses out there, but like few and far between. <laughs> I haven't coached a lot of people through taking those uncomfortable steps of putting themselves out there and doing something uncomfortable and asking them to be their ally, as you said. What are the mindset shifts that we should all be making in order to, to take that uncomfortable step? even though there are risks legitimately. Yep. Um, I would say the biggest one I have that I like to share with my clients is, and this sounds so counterintuitive, but it's based on a quote that my husband shared with me as he was, as a therapist, was guiding me in a struggle I was going through when I was working back in corporate. He said, you know, Natalie, it's hard to be good when you're trying to be perfect. Love it. and. I literally have it on a sticky note. It's on my computer. I look at it every day because I need to remind myself of that. And what I share with my clients is I think sometimes we are trying to be so perfect. And that incrementality of the perfection is so, it's just not worth it. And so I tell my clients from a mindset perspective, and like I said, I know we're all high, high achievers and high performers listening to this podcast is go for B minus work. Oh, yes. Right? Yeah. Hell yeah. Like, <laughs> that sort of like, I remember like figuring that out myself and I still have to remind myself of it every now and then. Sometimes our B minus is better than everybody else's A plus. In fact, more often than not, if we found our soul's work, our B minus our C plus is better than everybody else's A. Yes. Like, yes. And I, I don't think enough of us really get that because it feels easy. And therefore, we're like, but if I'm doing the right work, it should be hard. We're like looking around going, what? <laughs> like, this should be hard. Otherwise, it's not right. And actually, when you've really found your soul's work, your A plus work is easy. Yep. But that doesn't mean it's not valuable, right? Yep. And I, that is a key point. I mean, 
just because it's easy does not mean it's not valuable. And I think everyone really needs to, um, to walk away with that mindset of how can I do B minus work? Because like you said, I know everyone listening to this podcast is doing A plus 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 work. And what yeah. is that costing you? You know, is that costing you sleepless nights? Is that costing you ruminating over an email that you just sent or trying to send and you're spending way too much time on it? Like, what is it costing you? Is it costing you free time for yourself? Is it costing you self-care? What is that A++ work costing you? I guarantee you it's also costing you um, you focusing so much in on your work that you're not focusing in on the number one thing that gets people promoted within organizations. It's focusing in on your networking. Yes. And building well, relationships. Yeah. Networking and building relationships are big ones. But um, and it's why I talk about that so much on this podcast, like, you know, how to network more, how to do it, how to mm-hmm. not feel uncomfortable because it is uncomfortable when we're new to it. And yet it's so key. So yeah, I just actually want to circle back there to your comment about like not ruminating over the emails, because I think that's a really good point. Um, I think some of us, we do stay awake all night going, oh my gosh, how did that go down? And I work a lot with my clients on letting go of that, being okay with it, just, you know, it is how it is. But equally, I also work with my clients a lot on their executive presence. And sometimes that includes how we talk in our emails. It's how you write an executive email without it just being short. You know, there's that old, I think, old-fashioned view of like an executive just writes minimum stuff and like everybody else is going, oh my gosh, are they upset with me? I don't think that's like the right way to do it, but that's my take. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think you can write a short, sweet, but nice email. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um. So how do you square that peg? Like not ruminating over something like how you wrote that email or what you said in that meeting, but also working on your executive presence if you are aware that's one of the things that's holding you up in your career. Well, here's, I have two thoughts on that. One is going back to your question, which I don't think I really ever answered around (laughs) what is women leading powerfully? And to me, women leading powerfully is women having the ultimate freedom to maximize their potential for authentically who they are. And so I was literally just listening to a webinar the other day of a coach who gives great information. And she realized, she said, you know what, I realize I'm long winded. And so for me, this is her speaking, she said, you know, for me, I realized that um, my core competency and where I'm in alignment is writing really long blog posts in my authentic voice. To me, that's a great example of a woman leading powerfully. Now, putting that into the corporate, you know, kind of putting that into the corporate situation, you know, it's got to, you've got to be, it goes back to confidence. Executive presence to me is so tied into confidence. Yes. 100%. So if you write a 10-sentence email, but you're confident about it, you know, great. If you're writing a 10-sentence email that could have been three sentences, but you're over-explaining because you're not feeling confident, that's the gap. I think that's spot on. So it's not about what you're writing. It's not even about the way you're communicating. It's it's around the way you're communicating. But women tend to over-explain themselves. But if you need to send a 10-sentence email or two-paragraph email 
because that's what you need to do and you're confident about it, great. But my second, you know, piece to that is hire a coach. (laughs) And I'm not just, (laughs) I'm not just saying that because we're both coaches is we get so stuck in our own habits. Yeah. And we get, you know, have somebody like Tony read your emails and say, am I on, am I on point? Does this, can this be shorter? This, I feel like this is my authentic voice, but I'm not quite sure, you know, how can I get some guidance? And, you know, sometimes we just need to, to have someone else observe our work and give us a very objective mirror into what they're seeing. And that's the benefit of coaching. So, you know, so it's kind of two, it's kind of twofold. It's like, I think executive presence is so tied into confidence. If, if, you know, to summarize, just if you feel confident sending that email, great, send that email. And if that's who you are as a leader, then own that. Really own that. But if you do need that different perspective, hire a coach to give you that perspective. I love how you brought all that together because it is just so completely 100% spot on. Like, I think a lot of our, don't be wrong, there are some specific skills that we can learn in executive presence. I talk a lot about making sure that you present the business case, right? That sort of side of the executive presence, Mm -hmm. understanding what it means, what the values requirements are as an executive. But the rest of it, 95% of it, 100% confidence. And it's really good that you pointed out there, hire a coach to like get another perspective. Because I think a lot of people don't realize that that's part of like executive coaching is like, well, how are you communicating? Let's do a sanity check on that. And also a great coach boosts your confidence in multiple ways. They have confidence in you. And this is one of the things I learned from my coach. She has belief in me. My coach has such belief in me when I don't. And I can borrow that from her until I then own it myself. And then we're ready for the next level. And she has belief in me again. And then, and it's just a way to accelerate all of that. It is, you know, they will give you feedback. They will help you do things faster. They will give you honest, I mean, I will say to my clients, I'm going to lovingly call you out on your own BS. I will tell you when something is not right with a whole lot of love attached to it because that's how you accelerate faster. But I'm always there to pick you up after. And I don't think many people really understand that's a large part of what we do as coaches. Mm -hmm. We are simply there to get you up higher, faster, and give you all the tools you need to get there. And a large part of that's the confidence piece, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So I would love for you to tell us more about Women Leading Powerfully, your program, because I know that's a bit of your baby and I want to hear more about it because it's something that inspires me, actually. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Well, um, I'll give you a brief story about how it came to be is, you know, I launched my own business at the end of 2019. I jumped off the corporate career cl- cliff, um, left all my lovely benefits and perks and corporate salary behind. And three months later, a global pandemic hit. <laughs> not, <laughs> yeah, not the absolute best time to end a 27-year career. Um, and so, you know, I had to be nimble and I had to think, uh, and I really tapped into what I was hearing my clients say. And I had a coach who I had, you know, become friends with, and we both came from big corporations. Uh, we were used to working on big comp, you know, in big companies on big teams. And, you know, being a solopreneur can be a little lonely 
Um, it's one of the reasons why you and I connected is because, you know, we have so much in common and just to share best practices and to, to share learnings and to, again, help create more impact for women. It's like, if we can share that impact, it's great. So we kind of created our own community. And so my business partner, now business partner, Lori Tab and I, basically we were sharing what was happening with women in COVID and the trends that we were seeing. Um, obviously we weren't sharing confidential client information, but we were sharing just general trends. So we were seeing a lot of women being furloughed after long-term careers in their organizations um, and feeling really lost of, I wasn't expecting this. Um, I don't know what to do next. I've had all of these specific skills. Do I go back into this same industry? Do I pivot? How do I pivot? What do I do? We also had women use, you know, seeing COVID as a powerful pause and really reflecting of, you know, hey, maybe I've been this road warrior and I've been away from my family and now I'm home and now I'm working from home and I'm loving being able to sit and have lunch with my family and my kids or I'm able to make dinner. I'm able to go for a walk and I can do a little laundry on a conference call. You know, I mean, there's just benefits of working from home. There's also challenges. Obviously, we, I'm a lot of challenges for women during COVID as well. But women were also losing people close to them, either friends that they knew or family members because of COVID. And I think women were really taking this powerful pause to say, what do I want to do? And I think most women were searching for more meaningful and purposeful work. So Lori and I started talking about this. And the thing that was also coming up consistently is women were looking for community. You know, she and I had created our own community. You and I created our own community. And women tend to want to be in community with each other. And we were getting women from our individual practices saying, I'm looking for a community of like-minded women. I don't want to go to my local rotary or my local networking, you know, opportunity. I can't find necessarily a, I want to network outside of my industry or maybe in my industry, but I don't know where to go. And we didn't know where to guide them to go because what they were really looking for, we couldn't find. And so we decided to create it ourselves. And we decided to really marry women getting clarity and confidence about what the next steps were for them with women searching for community. And so we created this group program. We created it. I mean, we we were definitely flying the plane, you know, as we were building it. <laughs> and we created, sold, and um, executed the program within five weeks. And again, we were only a week ahead of our clients. So we enrolled them in this program, not having, we had the first week finished and we were building the rest of it as we go. So it's a 12-week group coaching program for women, helping them find the clarity and confidence they need. And the most important piece, the community. You know, most women were coming in for, you know, I want to change careers or I'm not happy with my job or I want to get elevated in my current position. And what I say is they came for the curriculum and they've stayed for the community. We bring in what I'm really proud of. And I feel like our expertise is, is we curate the group so specifically and pretty artistically, I would say, Lori and I have done a good job of 
really making sure that we have women from different ages and stages in their careers. We also have women from different industries. Um, So I think that varied perspective, sometimes we can get in an industry and get very siloed in our thought process. I think having women from different industries is really valuable to get different perspectives and different thought leadership. Um, And, you know, we've had probably the youngest is maybe 24. We actually just had a woman graduate our program was who was 72, who was searching for the next step in her career, which I thought was awesome. And, you know, the 72 year old is learning from the 24 year old and the 24 year old is learning from the 50 year old and the 72 year old. And so um, we also pride ourselves on having, um, you know, diversity in um, ethnic diversity and because we think that is also powerful. And so that's also a big component of our programs as well, because we want to get, you know, full diversity of thought, diversity of industry, diversity of age, stage, diversity of race. And that's just really, it's, it ends up being a group of 12 to 15 women. They go through this process together. We have three pillars to the program. The first pillar is really around building your self-awareness and your personal awareness. The middle part of the program is all about getting clarity. And then the last pillar of the program is all around taking action. And we give you the tools and the resources and the community and the support to do that. So that is our Women Leading Powerfully. We call it the Leadership Lab. And um, I'm really thrilled and proud of it. Like you said, it's our baby. And uh, we actually just started our sixth cohort of that group. So we weren't sure if it was going to be a one and done, but we loved it. The women loved it so much that we've continued to offer it. And um, Lori and I have solidified our business partnership and now our official business partners. And um, this is absolutely our, our number one priority for both of us. Oh, that sounds incredible. I just love everything you said there. I, I talk a lot with the women I talk to about this need for community. I think sometimes it's not just the learning, it's from each other. It's It's knowing that you're not alone and that you've got shared experiences. It just, again, it's the confidence you get from that. I mean, just knowing you as another solo entrepreneur, like it just, the confidence I get from knowing that there's another woman going through what I'm going through. Like, <laughs> sounds <laughs> trivial, but it isn't. It isn't at all. Um, so, well, where can people find out more about you, Natalie? Where do they need to go? So um, they can always reach out to me at natalie at corecreationcoaching.com. And if they're interested in learning more about the Women Leading Powerfully Leadership Lab, it's just simple. It's womenleadingpowerfully.com. And all the information is there on our website and our sales page. Um, they can apply if, if they feel compelled. Um, we have a new cohort starting on June 3rd. And if they need to have a follow-up conversation and just learn more about the program and see if it's specifically a good fit for them, there's also a button there. They can schedule a call or they can email me directly. And I'm happy to jump on a on a phone call and really have that conversation and find out what their needs are. So um, yeah, I'm, thank you for asking. I appreciate it. Well, my pleasure. And I hope um, some of the listeners take you up on at least that phone call because I think there's a lot that they could all learn from you. Um, Have you any final thoughts you'd like to share with the listeners? Tony, thank you for asking. Yeah, I would say my, my final thought to your listeners is oftentimes we feel like we need confidence in order to take action. 
And what I would say, I, I challenge that with my clients all the time, is confidence comes after the action. So just take action and just keep moving forward. And that is how you build up your repertoire of confidence is you're like, wow, I was able to do that. I was able to accomplish that. And so please, please, please just continue to move forward. And your moving forward might look different than the next person next to you moving forward. It's whatever you feel confident and courageous in that moment. It might be a baby step. It might just be, you know, bringing up a conversation with your boss. It might just be, you know, taking that next step, sending that email to ask for an informational interview with somebody outside your career or your industry. So, but just know that the comparisonitis can be really difficult and just kind of put your blinders on and just take confident action for yourself. And that's what builds up the confidence is confidence comes after the action. Oh my goodness me. I absolutely love it. That and and actually everything you said today, this is why we're business besties because <laughs> <laughs> we live on the same wavelength. Um, thank you so incredibly much for sharing all of your insights with my audience today. I I hope they have found it as powerful as I have. I certainly every time I speak to you, and I know we speak regularly, but every time I speak to you, I feel like I learn something. Um, and so I truly hope that everybody has found that as good as I did. Thank you so much for joining us, Natalie. Well, Tony, I just want to say, you know, it's one of the reasons why we're connected. We have similar missions in the world. And what I love is, you know, for all intents and purposes, we're competitors. But I love that you're having me on my po- on your podcast. I had you on my podcast because the real the the truth is there is room for all of us at the table. There's room for all of us in our individual contributions. And I think what what you're role modeling and what we're role modeling is that women in collaboration can do so much more. And I so appreciate the work that you're doing to change the world because I absolutely know that not only are you doing it right now in the moment, but I can't wait to have this conversation 10 years from now and legitimately see the impact and the ripple effect you've had with your your clients, your business, um, and really changing the tech industry. So I commend you on the work that you're doing. I applaud you. And I'm just so grateful to have met you and to be on your podcast. So thanks for having me. Oh my goodness me. Thank you, Natalie, for those beautiful words. I appreciate you so much. Oh my goodness me. Wasn't that incredible? I am just a Natalie fan. Um, As I've already said, I hope you found that as great as I did. If you want to find out more about Natalie or the work she does or her Women Leading Powerfully group, um, go check out the links in your show notes. Everything she mentioned is in there. Go and have a chat with her. This woman will blow your mind. She is just a rock star coach. I adore her. (laughs) And of course, if you have found this episode as powerful as I did, please do go over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. It would mean the world to me. It would possibly make my week, possibly even my month. You never know. (laughs) But until next time, remember, ladies, stay on your tech leadership game. Follow your dreams because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech.
If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Woman in Tech podcast.